Hey there guys, welcome back to another episode of Portrait Session on the Improved Photography Podcast. My name is Connor Hibbs and today I am joined by Miss Erica Kay. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm great, Connor. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. I've had a crazy month so far and Mm -hmm. some good, some bad, but I'm I'm actually feeling stable and on two feet today, which is... uh, good for me <laughs> that's that is good i can totally feel you i i would describe my month like that as well ups and downs yeah. but feeling better today I, i'm glad to hear that i'm glad to hear that you're better today compared to <laughs> um some of the more down periods that you've told me about from the month yeah you too connor Ugh, ugh, I'm ready for February to be over with. <laughs> Me but. too. I feel like this month has just like been so long. It's the oh, shortest man. month of the year and it feels like it's been a whole year already. Yep. I, I <laughs> completely agree with you there. Hopefully any of you listening don't feel the same way as we do. But <laughs> yes, What yeah, an it's, upbeat, it's, optimistic it's, way to start the show. <laughs> Seriously. Well, <laughs> let's just make sure that this next month is going to be really awesome. And we're going to do that by talking about our subject today, which is five ways to improve your portraits in 30 days. Um, so this is an idea that I had. I just wanted to go through a handful of tips. I feel like these kind of episodes can really be helpful and resonate with people listening, um, no matter what walk of photography. That's a weird way to put that. No matter where you are in your photography journey, um, it's it's just important to keep a few things in mind that I've had on my mind, and it seems like, Erica, you've had a few things, tips in your... I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway. <laughs> I got you, Connor. <laughs> anyway, let's get started with our five ways to improve your portraits in 30 days. So the first tip that I have written down here is just to make sure that you are familiar with your gear. And I don't mean that you're comfortable using your gear, but I think that one of the things that I am currently going through and I see people go through on a very regular basis is getting bogged down by gear acquisition syndrome. Everybody gets gas from now and then, especially when the cool new cameras come out <laughs> or when your co-host on a podcast gets a 5D Mark IV. Um, that, that's, that's one of... Erica's more exciting moments from this last month. Yes, but that is, that's on the upside of things this month. Yeah, yeah. But something that I think is really important is to, to also realize when your gear really is good enough. Um, it's, it's great to have your eye on the next thing and to know why you want a thing. But in reality, I think that oftentimes we get stuck in a situation where we feel like what we have is not quite good enough. And... I I know when I was developing through my photography journey, I had those moments where I was just like, I I need a full frame camera. I need a full frame camera. And when the question of why would be brought up or when I would consider why, I didn't really have a reason as to why. It's not to say that there weren't reasons. It's just to say that I didn't know my gear well enough to know why I would actually do better with having a full frame or a, a nicer, newer, more expensive camera. So the thing that I would say is... Make sure that you know all of the settings in your camera. Make sure that you could operate your camera with your eyes closed or, um, as I do, with the eye cup up to my face where I'm not actually seeing any of the buttons I'm touching. I just know where they are. Because when you get to that point of familiarity with your with your camera and you're able to see what you're actually producing from that, I think that it gives you a much better idea of where you are as a photographer, what your gear is doing for you, what it could be doing for you, and the things that you are limited with. So it's, as I said, it's not to say that you don't need more gear, or it's not to say that you 
don't maybe want more gear, but realize why you might want something else and get to know the stuff that you currently have and know how to use it as well as you can, because doing that is going to just make a huge difference in all of your work. Mm-hmm. And it's just really important to remember that you can do just about anything with any type of gear. There are, of course, limitations with things. You know, some some cameras you know don't do as well in in low light situations or whatever. I understand yeah. that that certain um, lower end cameras and things like that will give you problems eventually. But you have seen, or I hope you've seen, all of these challenges that these really well-known photographers have been doing, where they are given the crappiest camera that somebody can find and are challenged to to create a beautiful portrait or a beautiful photo with with this really terrible camera. And, And they do it because it's not about... Um, it's not about their gear. It's about their knowledge of photography, their knowledge of light, their knowledge of compo- composition, and their ability to just create a beautiful image with any type of camera that is given to them. So whether you're shooting with the top of the line camera or a an entry level DSLR, if you don't fully understand the photography aspect of things, it doesn't matter what kind of equipment you're going to use. You're not going to be able to create nice photos. You have to understand that photography is about more than just your gear. And no matter, you know, what kind of gear you're using, if you if you don't understand the basics of photography and light, it doesn't matter because you're not going to be able to create a beautiful photo anyway. Yeah, totally. I I think it's interesting that you brought up the the terrible camera challenges. I've totally been wanting to do one of those recently. I want to make a little video of me <laughs> shooting with, I, I pulled out my Canon Rebel XS, which is a, a whopping 10 megapixel camera from uh, oh. 2008, somewhere around there. <laughs> uh, it was the first DSLR that I technically owned on my own. I had bought a girlfriend a camera that I started learning everything on. And then when we broke up, she insisted that she keep the camera. Um, so the first camera I bought for myself was this Canon Rebel XS. And I really want to put myself to the challenge of just you going out and it. shooting stuff. Uh, I probably will. This is my commitment on, on recording that I'm going to make a video of me shooting with that thing um for bring it to the retreat care. oh yeah i will totally do that yes, yes absolutely uh, <laughs> i right. love that yeah uh, it, yeah yes gonna do it so our next tip that we have here um our tip number two is to set up portfolio shoots so Something that I hear a lot, I I had a conversation with somebody recently who was a full-time mom and her husband like worked a a crazy schedule and then had to go to school in order to maintain their GI bill. And like, she just had no time whatsoever in her schedule to do anything. And, and she was complaining about the fact that she's not getting any better at photography and that she wants to be better. And as tough as as it was for me to say something, the, the reality is if you're not shooting, you're not going to get any better. So everyone has a busy schedule, but even if you can only dedicate an hour or two a month to, to photography, the way that you're going to get better is by shooting. And when you have a paid client, it's one thing to be able to shoot, but it, it's understandable that you're not going to be able to experiment and try new things and really push yourself because it's somebody who's paying you money. You're, you're going to be doing your best to give them all that they can. So I like to set up portfolio shoots. I try to do at least one or two a month in order to just test out things and try things that I'm not quite comfortable with or things that I want to try differently. And a, a, a big 
point in doing this is that you need to not just show up and shoot how you're comfortable. You really do need to push yourself to find things that you don't know how to do and and plan to work through those problems and try and figure out new ways of doing things. Um, but yeah, that's that's my bit of advice here. Yeah, and as you're setting up these shoots and planning your shoots and all of this stuff, you have to remember that the goal of portfolio shoots outside of learning and growing and shooting is to build your portfolio. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you're planning these shoots focused on what it is that you want to be hired for. So don't just plan a bunch of random shoots. You can plan creative shoots and stuff that you normally wouldn't do or wouldn't expect to be hired for things that are going to be fun and like excite you, but don't plan a shoot in every genre of photography if you don't <laughs> want to be hired for every genre in photography. So for me personally, I would never plan a family photo shoot for my portfolio or a newborn shoot for my portfolio because I don't want to be hired to do that kind of stuff. I'm going to I'm going to spend my time planning shoots that are either going to bring me in the type of clients that I want to work with or that are just fun for me and exciting for me and different and creative, something that I'm going to enjoy just doing for fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's definitely a line to draw between what a portfolio shoot is and, say, a creative shoot. Um, And a portfolio shoot should definitely be something that is targeted towards your portfolio, towards the thing that you're going to be showing to bring in work. And, you know, if if you don't have any interest in making this a business, that's okay. Um, A portfolio shoot could be a creative shoot, and you could do that. But I, I think it's really important. If you're trying to make money with this, it's important to keep in mind that whatever portfolio shoot you set up, it should be something that is specifically for that portfolio and not just random fun shooting. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving on, our next tip here is to start pre-visualizing your shoots. So this this section kind of goes along with that last section, um, but is is a little bit different. So when you're not actually on a portfolio shoot, when you haven't set one of those up and you're not there, it's important to not just allow yourself to be caught up in the busyness of the rest of your life and day all the time. You should definitely take time out of your day to really think about the things that you are needing some work on. Um, So I like to regularly go back and look at my work that I've done within eh, about the last six months and just pull things apart. When when a shoot is fresh and you're really excited about it, everything's going to look perfect and great. And then when you've given stuff a month or two, a little bit of time to, to kind of for you to get over how cool it was, you can actually see it with some fresh eyes. And being able to look at your work and see the points where you say, eh, you know, maybe I should have done X, Y, or Z differently, or I could be doing this better. And when you look at stuff, you find those problems, you can actually think of ways that you can overcome them. So part of the portfolio shoots for me is having a goal that I'm trying to achieve, something that I'm trying to ingrain in me, something that I'm trying to do better actively as I'm shooting. And the only way that I can ensure that I actually do that when it comes to a portfolio shoot day, or even if I had a client, the only way that I can make sure that I do that is to pre-visualize what the problem is and what the solution is. And not just say, oh, you know what, I'm framing with way too much headroom. I need to get better about that. But specifically saying, okay, when I'm in this shoot, what I need to do is start running my eye around the outside of the frame so I can make sure that I'm not giving too much headroom. And really just visualize and think through that process that you're going to do that ahead of time. Because having a plan is going to be something that you're actually going to come back to versus just having a goal can be something that's really easily forgotten in the heat of the moment when you're trying to juggle all of 
of these different things. Mm-hmm. That's such good advice. And and kind of tying it in with that last segment, you could actually plan a portfolio shoot based around one of those problems that you've noticed or one of your weaknesses or one of your goals. You know, you don't have to just be so vague with your portfolio shoots and say, I'm going to schedule a headshot portfolio shoot. But you yeah. can be more specific and and say, I'm going to schedule a headshot portfolio shoot focusing specifically on my composition and my cropping and the way that I'm framing a person. Um, I think that's really, really good advice, Connor. Yeah, that's. I, I think that that is uh, one of the keys that I have found to developing and improving is being really critical of my own work um, and then just making targeted goals to not just keep in mind when I'm shooting anything in particular, but when I have these fun shoots. It, it, this is going to be a little bit of a side tangent, but I think it's important. Um, I think that... <laughs> Oftentimes, I I see people on forums talking about how they will never shoot for free, and shooting for free is terrible. And in my mind, I think that shooting for free is a super valuable thing. And the reason for that is because you can really focus on the things that you need to get better at. Shooting for free doesn't necessarily mean shooting for free, because you're shooting for the sake of having a learning, practicing experience and getting awesome portfolio work. So Mm -hmm. in my mind... As long as I'm getting some sort of value out of a shoot, um, I think that that is the primary goal that I should have. And portfolio shoots are something that, I mean, yeah, you're shooting for free. You're giving somebody work in exchange for their time. But it, it as long as you're approaching it with not just, I want nice photos to put in my portfolio and this person's really beautiful, which I guess would be fine. But if you're approaching it for that and trying to eke out just a little bit extra value from the fact that you're doing this for free by making sure that you specifically target certain goals of things that you're trying to achieve throughout that and find the solutions ahead of time and then approach the shoot in in the service of achieving those goals. I think that that is the best way to give value to your free work for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sorry if that was a nonsense rant. I feel like that made sense, though. No, it absolutely made sense. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Erica, you were the one that wrote down the notes for this, so I feel like I should hand the reins off to you here because I, I really like this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, sure. So point number four um, is to focus on light. And there's two different things that I want to encourage you to do here when you're focusing on light. I want you to take some time every day to focus on photography-related light and then also take some time every day to focus on non-photography related light. So one of the things that I started doing when I was kind of first starting out in photography when I was at the point in photography where I was learning about light was I everywhere I went everything I did all day long it kind of became an obsession and it kind of drove me crazy after a while but uh, (laughs) it was really good practice and I still find myself doing it sometimes but all day long focus on the light that is around you so you know while you're driving while you're at the mall while you're sitting on your front porch whatever it is you're doing just pay attention to the light look at the way that it's it's creating shadows and look at the way that it's creating reflections and look at the way that it's hitting certain things and certain objects that will really give you a better understanding of the qualities of light and the direction of light and the way that light reacts to certain textures and substances and and, sh- and the shadows that light can make. Um, and that is just with the natural light that's around you. That's with the sunlight, the moonlight, street lights, whatever. That's non-photography related light. 
But obviously, as photographers, you also should take some time every day to focus on photography-related light. So whether you want to really perfect your natural light photography or you're, you're really learning about flash, whether on camera or off camera, I really recommend for people to dedicate about 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes every day to the photography-related light. Experiment with it. Try new things. Read about it. Watch videos about it. Listen to podcasts about it. Do all the things that will just help you fill your brain with with this knowledge about light because as we've said before especially when we were talking about gear you could have the most amazing gear you could have the most amazing um, knowledge of of composition and posing and all that kind of stuff but if you can't if you don't understand light and you can't manipulate light and you don't pay attention to the light your photos are just going to be flat and boring and not interesting because in reality photography is all about light and shadows and if you if you can't see that and you can't create those interesting shadows and those interesting bits of light within photo- within your photos, it, it you're not going to advance. You're not going to become a better photographer, and your work is just not going to stand up to the work of of really well known photographers or even photographers in your area that are building businesses and and doing really well for themselves. I, I, yeah, I think that that's really fantastic advice. That's something that I will still catch myself on a very regular basis, um, just noticing the light somewhere. So both in a unintentional, just focusing on everyday light, as you said, and and one of the things that I hate the most is the fact that I have trained my brain to see light, and then oftentimes I'll see something where I'm like, oh my gosh, this light is totally beautiful, and there's no reason for it. Like, there, it's not a beautiful scene. I'm just looking somewhere. I'm like, oh, the light here is gorgeous, and <laughs> yeah. I don't have my camera on me, and it's just the most frustrating thing ever when you're like, oh, I could totally make something happen here just with the way that the light is falling in this scene, and but there's no camera to take photos with or whatever. Yep. It happens but, to me all the time. Yeah, it's but at the same time, having having that mentally, having the training yourself to be able to see that kind of stuff is actually really great for when you are in the moment, um, for when you're walking around and and you just kind of have a mental library of oh I remember when I was in this kind of shady situation that the light looked really good. Shady mm-hmm. sounds bad, but um, <laughs> when I was in this situation where there was shade nearby, the light looked really beautiful, and I can now apply that to this session that I'm on. And that actually happened to me just the other day on a shoot that I was on. I. I you know me, I'm a studio shooter. I tend to not work too much with natural light, um, especially not indoors. And I happened to be in my studio and, and I actually wasn't technically in my studio. I was in the building that my studio was in, in a room next door, um, because that room had white walls and I was doing a portfolio shoot that I had the goal of, I wanted to shoot my subject against a white wall because I shoot on paper so people never get to lean on the background and for whatever reason I was just like I need to do this and when I was in there I was shooting everything against the far side of this room where there were no windows there wasn't much light and I was building all this artificial light and I happened to turn around at just this moment when all of this light was shining through the windows on the other side of the room that was just absolutely gorgeous and I was like you know what I need to go over there I need to shoot something that's kind of natural flambient um, flash and ambient mixed together and (laughs) sure enough looking at them now and going back through this two hour long portfolio shoot that I have, all of my favorite stuff was the 10 minutes that I took shooting in this natural light because I just happened to have seen this thing that whatever, there was something in it that I was just like, that light is beautiful. Let's go over there and do that. And if I hadn't Mm -hmm. 
studied light in the past, and if I hadn't seen those kind of moments when light is really, really good, I don't think that I would have caught that. I would have just turned around, saw that it was daylight, and gone, eh, I like shooting studio lights, and just continued on my merry way. Yeah. Well, it's all about making something a habit. So like I said, I used I when I first started out, it ended up becoming so such a habit that I the only thing I could see was light in certain situations. You know, I wasn't <laughs> paying attention to anything else other than the way the light was hitting. But although it drove me crazy then, like it's really beneficial for me now because it has become such a habit for me to always pay attention to the light. So like you said, I'm out with a couple walking around for their shoot and I can be talking to them and having a conversation and it's become so ingrained in my mind to just look at light that while I'm doing these other things, I'm also paying attention to the light. It doesn't feel so so difficult for me because it has become such an ingrained habit of mine. Um, so Absolutely. by by doing it so often and, and, and doing it as much as you can, as often as you can, it'll become natural so that later down the road when you're when you're working and you're hired to shoot for people, it is just a natural part of of your photography you're you're just constantly analyzing the light and picking out the best spots and the best um you know light situations while you're shooting yeah absolutely and you know what this has actually kind of brought up something that um i'm going to throw in an additional tip here that's kind of an add-on to focusing on light and that is to focus on your compositions um something else that's really useful to do in your day-to-day is just to pretend as if you are framing a certain scene in your mind. So mm-hmm. oftentimes when I'm walking around, especially if I'm out and about, I will pay attention to, oh, like this is kind of an interesting element here, but that wouldn't be a photo on its own. But if I were to place a person here next to that, it, and I, I will just kind of go through my mind, and I guess this also kind of goes back to mentally mapping things out, um, but just paying attention to the way that you can compose images together so you don't end up being in a situation where, oh, I want to shoot everybody with just a wall behind them where you can pay attention to the elements that are around you in the world and say like, okay, well, if I had stepped three feet further in this direction, if I took four feet left to the left, uh, this post that's here would actually be out of my shot now because of the parallax effect of this post being really close to me versus the thing that I think is really interesting off in the background. So just paying attention to the ways that you could change a composition of anything in your in your everyday life really gives you a certain power when you're behind the camera and you realize like, oh, you know what? There's people walking behind my subject here. But if I were to slightly step over this way, I would totally hide them with the, uh, with the subject that I'm shooting. Things like that are, are really helpful for being able to uh, problem solve when you're in the moment and you have an issue like that. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a another rant, man. I'm just, I'm <laughs> on it today. You are. And, <laughs> and you know, just, for that especially and i guess this would would be the case for light as well but like while you're watching tv connor i know you and i've had lots of conversations about tv shows and stuff while you're watching tv or movies or whatever pay attention to the way that they their compositions are for all you know for various scenes and the way that they're lighting things for various scenes and that'll teach you a lot about how to do those things in your own photography as well and it becomes just like with light that that focus on composition becomes a habit as well and will become so natural to you in the future that you won't you won't have to put too much energy into figuring it out 
Yeah, absolutely. TV is a fantastic tool because not only do you get to see the way that people are, like professionals, really, really great professionals are framing their shots, uh, but you also have all of this emotion. So I, I like to take moments where it's not even something that's specifically about the composition, which sometimes that just pulls me out of uh, out of the scene that I'm in where I'm like, that was a really beautiful shot. And I kind of missed the moments that were happening because that shot was so beautiful. And then I have other times where I have this emotion and I'm feeling a certain way and I just, I can kind of pull myself out of it and go, okay, like I'm feeling really um, nostalgic right now. What is it about that that just made me feel nostalgic? Was it the music? Was it the, the acting? Or was it the framing? And oftentimes you'll notice that things are framed a certain way in TV shows to give you a certain feeling. Mm -hmm. and, and, and being lit. able to look at yeah, lit, lit, everything. You can just pull apart all of these different elements in TV shows to be able to um, analyze what they are doing and how you might be able to apply those things in your own work. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and that actually kind of rolls really nicely into our last tip here, which is that you should start building a visual vocabulary. And by that, I mean, it's important to not just be focused on creating your own work, but also being a consumer of photography, of, of graphic design, of cinematography, any, any kind of visual communication is really important to study and just pay attention to and see elements of it that you like. Um, I recently downloaded Tumblr onto my phone, which was something that I used to do all the time. If you're not familiar with it, it's just kind of a... a Oh, it's like a Facebook feed or any other kind of social media feed, but instead of posts about stuff, it's all pictures, <laughs> almost all pictures and people's graphic design and different artwork. And it, it's a very visual heavy uh, platform. And I used to just, whenever I had a free moment, I just kind of scroll through. This wasn't for any purpose of, oh, I want to build ideas for a shoot. It was just, I would scroll through, see what other people that I followed were, were posting and anything that was visually striking to me, I would reblog. And going back through, I downloaded the, the app because I was specifically looking for something that I had created that I've lost. And I wanted to go back and find that through my blog. And I was just scrolling for pages and pages and pages and pages of other people's photos and graphic design and beautiful artwork and just realized like, man, so much of my visual aesthetic, so much of what I really enjoy in the photography I make now has been informed by this. It's been the fact that I have trained myself to see color in a certain way and see composition in a certain way. And honestly, a lot of the stuff that's on there, it's graphic design based and like landscapes, which I don't really have a super strong interest in shooting. But uh, I'm looking at the composition and the color toning and just things about it that really ring true to the work that I have now. And I realize that a lot of what I create is stuff that I like. And the reason that I like it, or the reason that I've learned, the way that I have learned to identify the things that I like is by building this visual literacy, uh, this visual vocabulary of, of, well, all of those things I was talking about, light and <laughs> color and composition and just different elements. So in taking your moments when watching TV or doing something like using Pinterest or Tumblr or any kind of visual heavy media to just make notes of things that you find appealing that you can then go back to later and go over and, and be able to break those things down. I think that that's really important for getting better at photography because once you understand the things that you like, you can also identify the things that you're currently doing that you don't like. And uh, yeah, that's a strength. Yeah, and I am really embarrassed to say that I have nothing to add to that because you said it so perfectly, Connor. 
Uh, thank you. I Man, t- this whole podcast has been a long rant. Anybody that doesn't <laughs> like listening to my voice, I sincerely apologize <laughs> to you because uh, I've, I've just had a lot of things on my mind recently and I'm, I'm amped for today's Yeah, episode. you are pumped getting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, those are our five more like seven tips for getting better at photography or at portrait. What? What? How did I name this? Your five or seven ways to improve your portraits in 30 days. I hope you guys found lots of value in this week's episode. We really appreciate you guys listening and hope that you have a wonderful week. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned.